Welcome to Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar journey where we watch everything Pixar has ever made and we talk about what it means to us. I am Mark Young and I am joined as always by Danny Vincent. And today is a very, very special episode because we are two shorts away from me finally getting to watch Cars 2. I've been waiting for this for a year since the show started. We just have to make it through these next two shorts. How are you doing? Well, I just saw Elemental. Oh, is that out? It, it premiered today. So I'm seeing with work, okay? And as always, when we see something with work, as long as it's like a Minions movie where I know I'm not going to like it, I actually try to catch it before we go with work because the kids are going to, you know, take you to the bathroom during it. You're going to you're gonna miss some of the movie. It's just inherently going to happen. So I was like, oh, it, it came out today. I will go catch it at 6.15 right after work. And I'll go back home and I should be able to watch those shorts in quickly, uh, see the, do, do this episode, you know? The thing I wanted to bring up, I told Mark before we recorded, I had something I wanted to bring up, is I'm listening back to our Toy Story episode right now. I'm a little bit behind on my listening back to our episodes. And one thing that happens very early on in the episode is we look at what movies I've seen, Pixar movies I've seen with Michaela in theaters. And I mentioned Coco. I mentioned um, Incredibles 2. And I mentioned offhand, oh, and I last movie we saw together was Nope, Michaela. And Mark made a joke where it's like, ah, oh, yes, our favorite Pixar movie, Nope. Now, Mark, I don't know if you've seen these memes. I was trying to find them for you. But unfortunately, I've, I was algorithmically suggested to me, which means it's impossible to track down because it was just an image. But some, I saw a very popular tweet on the Twitter where if Pixar's new movie that was just released their first trailer, Elio, which I got the trailer for in front of Elemental, where they replaced that post, the Elio logo with the Nope logo. I don't know if you saw any memes about that, but I I thought about that when I that was the only thing I wanted to mention. It's like Mark predicted this this meme by accident because it looks like the beast from Nope. Yeah, the the alien that abducts the kid looks like the beast from Nope. But anyway, that that's the only that was the only thing I wanted to bring up. Is I thought it was amusing that you made like a very offhand joke, like oh yes, our favorite Pixar movie Nope, and here we are. Well, I'm glad that Nope is getting some notice by the mainstream today. We are here to talk about two very special shorts. We are here to talk about Toy Story Toons Hawaiian Vacation and Toy Story Toons Small Fry. You know how I said in the Presto episode and the Year for the Rap episode, this might be one of the biggest like chasms of quality in forever. I think this one might also be biggest what? Is it chasm? Chasm. It's, this is like what I was saying earlier when I said Oppenheimer to my dad. My dad was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> well, I don't. I don't mean to. I don't mean to be that guy, but it's chasm. Well, I do think one of these shorts is really great, or at least as good as like you expect, like one of these movie shorts to be. And the other one is really, really bad. Which is which? Uh, I think Hawaiian Vacation is everything you'd want out of like a nice little... It's There's no real point to it, but it's a nice little hangout with your friends, you know? You get to hang out with the Toy Story game for another like five minutes. They all get their own little, little jokes in the spotlight. And it's just a fun little time. It's nicely paced. And then Small Fry is like an entire... Toys like an entire Toy Story movie packed into five minutes while also just being really dumb and not like funny dumb, just like what what were they thinking dumb? That that's why it takes on both these shorts very quickly. I'm intrigued by that, because I think for me one did not shine brighter than another. I thought they were about on the same footing. But anyway, so we're talking about these Toy Story shorts because they're coming out attached to the beginning of the next few big Disney movies. Hawaiian Vacation was with Cars 2, which I remember being a part of the marketing, which, um, by the way, 
My one elemental take I will drop now is that I am very excited for whatever we get to our Carl's Date episode, because I thought it was one of the worst things Pixar has put out in recent memory. I thought it was worse than Lightyear. I watched this like, what were they thinking thinking with this? Like, Danny, can you like spoil this off mic for me? A very interesting take. Now people can go just see Elemental and then know what you're talking about. My one actual rec of Elemental is that if it's by you and you have AMCA list, you should see this movie in 3D. It is a phenomenal 3D movie. I'm giving it an extra half star on Letterboxd for my 3D grade, aka when I see it with work, I know I'm going to lower it a half star because I know I'm sticking it in 2D and it won't be in 3D anymore. But anyway, Hawaiian Vacation was with Cars 2, and the reason I brought up Carl's Date was because I remember it actually being marketed with Cars 2. It's like, there's a Toy Story short with it. In case you're not interested in Cars, it's Barbie and Ken, the breakout character, or the people we told were breakout characters from Toy Story 3, which I think people liked Ken at the time. People were still into Ken. I like Ken now. Well, no, no, but I was saying, like, there's been a bit of a backlash to Ken, I think. Not a full backlash, but there's been a... I did get the Barbie trailer from Elemental, and I'm excited again for that movie. The back half of the, uh, the Barbie trailer gave me chills. Is it a totally new trailer, or the one that we've been talking uh, about? I think they put it online, like, to be with Spider-Verse, but Spider-Verse mostly got, like, the flash with it because it's a superhero movie. No, no, they put it out to be with um, Little Mermaid. That's just not Spider-Verse. Okay, I think I've seen this trailer. Yeah, but it's the one that actually reveals the plot of the movie. The one where it's like, the tagline is like, if you like Barbie, this movie's for you. If you hate Barbie, this movie's for you. And I was like, ah, oh, I, I, I'm excited now that I see what this movie actually is and it's not just beat you off jokes. Yeah, I, I like that trailer. <laughs> but anyway, Hawaiian Vacation. Yes, it's with Cars 2, and Small Fry is with, because we're just thinking what they're attached to, the Muppets reboot. And these are the beginning of the Toy Story tunes, and we've got a few more Toy Story tunes coming down the pipe later on. Yeah, and a couple specials. But anyway, Hawaiian Vacation is about Ken and Barbie going along, where they want to go along with Bonnie on their family's Hawaiian vacation in the winter or whenever, and they accidentally don't go with them on vacation. They end up in Bonnie's house with all the other toys who got left behind, so the toys decide to throw Ken and Barbie a Hawaiian vacation. So it's funny to me that you say this is the superior one because I thought it was totally pleasant and it was very short and just full of gags. Just, I was like, all right, fine. It tells a nice complete story of like Barbie and Ken want their first kiss. More importantly, like to me, the whole idea behind these Toy Story tunes and like Toy Story specials was, you know, at the time they weren't, even though they say like we were working on Toy Story 4 when Toy Story 3 was coming out, which is like something I always go like, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, I feel like the point of these shorts were always presented, like, you get to hang out with your characters more, we don't have to do another movie, right? And so this is one where you get to hang out with the characters. The next one is, like, we, ex- the, I think this, the next one in Party Source Rex are, the idea behind those two are, we want to explore an area of toys that is not addressed by the movie. And which is kind of interesting, because if you know, if you remember, and I'm obviously mentioned this in our Cars 2 episode, but I've said this in our Mater's Tall Tale episodes, is Cars 2 comes from the Mater's Tall Tales, where it's like, we enjoy these tall tales, what if we did a spy tall tale? Wait, why don't we do just a whole spy movie tall tale, right? Toy Story 4 reportedly also came from the idea of like, you know, Party Source, I don't know if you know Party Source Rex, but that's about like bath toys. And this is a, and Small Fry is about Happy Meal toys. And they're working on one about carnival toys. Like, they go to a carnival, and that's kind of where Toy Story 4 came from, or at least the carnival setting of Toy Story 4 came from, was the Ducky and Bunny stuff was probably going to be its own Toy Story tune. And then it just became something where it's like, no, let's integrate this into this next movie. Which makes me think that, like, maybe they were working on Toy Story 4, because if Cars 2 bombed, like you said, 
why would they take that lesson and then turn it into a Toy Story 4? Because, like you said, they were basing Cars 2 off these smaller shorts ideas. So unless there's, like, a smoking gun we find, I feel like, yeah, they could have been working on Toy Story 4. I think Toy Story 4 is something where, maybe this is, again, like, conspiracy theory. There's no actual development of this, like, anything on this. Is I think the carnival spot, a.k.a. the Buzz B-plot in Toy Story 4 could very well have come from a Toy Story 2. That 100% feels like it could have come from a Toy Story 2. I think the Woody, Forky, Bo Peep stuff, that is all, like, a Toy Story 4 idea they had, where it's like, oh, shit, what do we do with Buzz, you know? And then, like, that's where they're like, carnival toys. Because I don't really think the carnival stuff is really that implemented into Toy Story 4, even though it is a fun aspect of it. And I like Toy Story 4, and I like the carnival stuff in Toy Story 4. And I also like Party Source Rex, but we're going to do a whole episode on Party Source Rex, so who cares about it right now? But you appreciate these things more as, like, a short gag short. Yes, and again, I think a Hawaiian vacation is exactly what you want from, like, a Toy Story reunion short. Everyone has a bit of time. The ones who don't get time are, like, Woody, who, you know, you have full movies on, so you don't need it. You get to see the dynamics of these toys as they've changed. Like, you get to see Ham and buttercup hanging out which is like a dynamic that makes sense but you don't see in toy story 3 i think there's also a lot of details in here that i really like there's one moment in this that i've loved that i really thought about was like huh that's something that would have never happened when like with andy which is when bonnie comes in they just drop where they are they don't care about getting into their places because bonnie wouldn't even recognize it that's like a little deep i love i'm like oh that's so cool definitely not like something you ever see in the andy movies this is just a pleasant short. If I had to pick a moment that really stood out to me, I liked when Buzz does the dance with the glow stick. Because I, I love any time they have to, like, 3D animate some kind of object manipulation. Because, of course, like we said, you have to do it for real. I love the gag afterwards when Span... It's like the... I think it's the best Spanish Buzz joke in this or in Toy Story 3. Is when he says in Spanish, we had to remove poop from the kitty litter. And then I think it's Miss Potato that goes like, Wow, the Spanish makes him sound so smart or something like that and it's like a really great gag just because the gag is just that she doesn't understand spanish it's not that like what spanish buzz is saying is funny and i was like that's a good that's a good joke i don't know and i just think basing it on barbie and ken's relationship is nice it's hard to be mad at the barbie and ken relationship being like the core of it you know i did really appreciate how in this one the ken and barbie relationship is kind of just accepted and you also get to see Barbie being intelligent and in charge of things, but she's still Barbie. And Ken is goofy. I don't know. I mean, Ken is really just goofy. I just like their relationship a lot in the short. It's also just something that, to me, it's a trope, but it's always nice when, like, you know, it's a, sit- it's a sitcom trope. It's like a general story, but it's like something got messed up with a couple that's in your friend group. And so we're going to work to give them the best time. It's just, it's always just pleasant and nice, you know, to me, I like, I don't, it's really, it's not that this is great or good, but it's, it's just a chill hangout time, and I like the ending where they go out in the snow and kiss, I think it's really, it's really sweet, (laughs) I did have kind of the adult thought, speaking of doing something nice for your friends, that if two of my friends missed out on going on a vacation, and then the rest of us, like, tried to make it happen for them, that would be a giant expense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My ability to provide for people does not match what Woody and pals can do. That's why there are heroes. That's why we come to the movies. <laughs> okay. I'm really looking forward to seeing Elemental with the kids, because I'll get to do it in last year at Minions and just sail out on a Cole Kidman thing as a place. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and like freak out the counselors around me where it's like why does he why does he know this <laughs> i do think also like again like we are i already kind of adjusted when i talked about the barbie trail i do think this is like the ideal like barbie prep thing like for the barbie movies just watch this this show you don't need to watch stories three three just watch this short if you want to at least if you want to experience the pixar you want to watch like you know all the hundred Barbie movies that are out there? Go ahead, be my guest. But have you watched any of them? No, I know someone fall on Letterboxd oh, is currently wow. running through them all. You're talking out your ass. No, I've seen well, half not, of I'm one. Not, I'm not even trashing them. I'm just saying though, if you just want to watch the Pixar version, I think this is a better way to do it than watching Toy Story three. I was rating Small Fry, okay, and I was like, currently according to my algorithm, it's gonna be the lowest grade. I don't think I can do that just because it's so short. In, unless it's like something like Carl's date where it offended me and how bad it was. I don't think Small Fry is that. It's just bad. It's not like offensively bad. And it's a short. So it's like, it's still better than me watching like a bad. I, I would prefer to rewatch Small Fry to a lot of bad movies because it's shorter. I really didn't find Small Fry that offensive. I thought it was terrible. On to Small Fry, which preceded the Muppets and which Danny apparently hated. I hate this. Why? It's just so dumb. And the one thing that makes it okay, but even then it's not because Buzz barely does anything, is that Buzz knows it's an idiot plot. Buzz is frustrated that he's stuck in an idiot plot, but yet we still go through the motions of it all. Where it's like, the whole joke here is that there's a support group for Happy Meal Toys. And you know I hate when they just go like, here is something in real life that toy or the characters are doing. There are no reason for these toys to know what AA support groups are like. And yet that is what this is. And also it's like the humor in these AA support group scenes is just one, either one, haha, these toys are an AA support group. Or two, look, it's a pun of a toy. Haha, we're so clever. I'm like, and great, we got Jane Lynch here in the height of glee. I'm so glad she got here. The year before she got to be Wreck-It Ralph. Another support group animated movie. It is. I actually, you know what? If I rewatch Wreck-It Ralph, I probably will be bothered. <laughs> at, the, at the time, that did not bother me. But, like, I think now it, it is. It is literally the funniest concept. I just also think the whole thing with Rex being like, no, guys, this actually is Buzz. I'm like, no, Rex isn't that dumb. It's like that thing with Toy Story 4. Where it's like Buzz is like, I think my conscience is actually speaking to me. I'm like, no, you're not that dumb. That's not what your character is. This is just here so we can, like, it's just so we can kill time. Of like, why aren't they just going after Buzz immediately? And then Buzz, it's funny because, again, Buzz, like, because so, this basically is, like, this is what an idiot Toy Story 2 would be. But thankfully, Buzz just goes home. It's like, Buzz recognizes this is a dumb story. He's like, no, nah, we're ending this. We cannot continue with this. You know, I'm compelled by your argument that the plot is stupid, but I found it very comforting that the stakes were low. Hawaiian Vacation is, like, low stakes. The stakes are, will Barbie love Ken? Of course Barbie's going to love Ken. Of course Ken's going to love Barbie. Here it's, like... Buzz got left and he has to find a way up. Oh, that just so happens to be, even though we've met like 20 characters in the short, there's also a grappling hook character that Buzz somehow hasn't seen yet. It's just... Yeah. It's just so stupid to me. And it's so frustrating. And also it's like, again, it's one of those things where it's like, just think about the world you're setting up, okay? It's a support group. Immediately, I'm annoyed at the support group. But l- l- let me accept that. Let me get to the point where I accept that there are support groups for these Happy Meal toys. We are told that Jay Lynch's character has been there since 1997 when this short probably canonically takes place in the 
present, which is t- 2011. So we're supposed to expect that Jane Lynch has been there for 14 years doing this with different Happy Meal toys that never escape? And they just do this. They just do this general therapy and it resets every day. And this is their life. I just don't buy it. I just, I find the entire thing stupid and dumb. And I think there is a, I think there is potential. The thing is also, it's like, there are rules in Toy Story, right? That we already have established that could make this short more fun. Why don't Buzz and Zerk think they're the real Buzz? That could at least give their scene some fun to it. Rather than Zerk being like, uh, aren't we here to sell chicken wings? Which again, I guess that is one of the more like successful attempts at humor. Actually, to me, the funniest thing about this short isn't really even funny. It's just like an existential dread at realizing that the belt buckle is alive. The belt buckle toy is alive. And it's like, how does that even work? He just beeps in like Hobbs around. He doesn't have eyes. He doesn't have anything. It's just this belt that is alive. And it, that's horrifying. Yeah, I felt that way about the guy who is the zipper on the bag in Hawaiian Vacation, and oh, yeah. also like Ken's little Lego people who move his luggage for him. I did want to mention that. I like that. I actually forgot to mention that about Hawaiian Vacation. I think it's interesting. That's like the one appearance of like alive Lego figures. I think, and it's like under the wire because you know once the Lego movie comes out, that kind of like Disney's not going to touch that. That's not marketing their own stuff. So, but yeah, that's that's. Yeah, uh, they live a terrifying life. I mean, I think Lego Lego movie Toy Story rules are pretty interesting. Mark hates them, mm-hmm. probably, because it's basically the beginning of Toy Story 3. Oh, I just don't remember the Lego movie that much. They're good. One and two. Lego Batman's okay. I haven't seen Lego Movie 2. You should see Lego Movie 2. It has the same twist Lightyear has, but way better executed. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I just remember being mad at Lightyear. I'm like, not only is this a bad twist, but it's a twist that was in the Lego Movie 2 that was executed well. Lego Movie 2 is also just inherently interesting because, you know, the first Lego Movie has a twist at the end where it's like, actually, this is just a kid playing with Legos. And so Lego Movie 2 exists in this world where it's like, we know you know the twist, so there's no reason for us to hide it from you. So the metaphor is being baked in from the beginning, and you have to follow along and guess who is playing with the toy at this time. Oh. It's like, there's the little sister, and then there's the big brother. So it's like, who is playing with the toy right now? Because at some points, you know, the little brother might be in his sister's room mess- messing with toys. Or like it might be the little sister stole her brother's toy. Uh, I really like Lego Movie 2. It's really very underrated film. I didn't know that that was the hook. It's also about toxic masculinity in a much more interesting way than things are about toxic masculinity now. I say that because I feel like it's like a hot buzz thing for like children's media to do. But again, like, as usual, like, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are one of the smartest producers out there right now and writers out there right now in terms of, like, I'm making something for your child that's going to actually have resonance to you as an adult. I would say they are currently better than Pixar, because Pixar depends on the director doing it. Whereas, basically, you know, like, the Spider-Verse movies and the Lego movies are pretty great, you know? <laughs> like, but... Yeah. What did you think of Elemental? My... I have two basic takes on it. One is... If you're seeing it, again, I said it, you gotta see it in 3D. It is a visual feast. In a way, I feel bad for it opening at the same time as Across the Spider-Verse, because Across the Spider-Verse is obviously a better-looking film and a much bigger visual feast, but that doesn't stop Elemental from being, like, moments where I was like, holy shit, I have no... Like, I there were shots, and I was like, how does this even look in 2D? Like, and I didn't want to close my eyes because I was just in such an awe, like, how... Because it's like, you know, like, the fire and the water, like, kind of melt into each other. It's like, she's reflecting off the water person in his eyes, and it's like, this is so cool. But my other take on it is, it really needs... I just saw Kiki's Delivery Service for the first time. When watching it, I had this weird thought while watching it. It's like, ah, yes, this is where Luca stole some things from. And I think 
elemental directors and like producers behind it really need to sit down and watch Ivor Kiki or even just Luca because I think it very much is a movie that's more clearly should be about vibes but that randomly has a plot that is very bad <laughs> like whenever the plot roots its head it's like oh my gosh can we just go back to them hanging out the plot basically makes it so like the dude is so unlikable for like the first half hour of the movie he's in it just because he's digging his like they have to dig it out of like their plot setup that makes him so inherently unlikable and like mm-hmm. they eventually get there but it's just like you didn't even need to do that you could have just had the meet and have the conflict be there's a water girl and a fire girl a, a fire girl and a water boy and they're different and conflict it didn't need to be like this whole thing where it's like you need to do this to save this to do this to do this and i was like Ugh, just just let them hang out <laughs> like please not the things that i thought that people would say about elemental but yeah, I've got to go watch that for our job. Eventually. You, I think that one's actually okay if you're waiting for Disney+. Plus, Unless you really want to see it in 3D. I'm just saying, if you're going to see a movie that we'll eventually cover on the podcast, Across the Spider-Verse is currently in theaters. Directed by Kemp Powers, director of Soul. So... Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, small fry. I hate it. <laughs> I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the little creatures. I actually just got a nice little tactile thing watching all of the miniaturized figures especially the ham that turns into a transformer i do like little i like the little transformer sound on it though i will say that but that that did give me a little chuckle it's like ah great audio i do think that you know the plot is stupid but there's attention to detail in the kinds of jokes that they make about happy meal toys which i found pleasant i don't know it just it just it got me mad and i wasn't surprised to see and again, maybe I'll be very clear here. I, I guess we shouldn't be trashing this guy because, you know, he just got laid off. But, like, we've seen a bunch of Angus McLean stuff, and I'm not impressed. I'm sorry. He just feels a little... He's a little too gag-focused, and his gags aren't funny. That's the thing, too. Is like, you can be gag-focused if you're funny, but, like, you're not. So, stop. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that, like, putting ham around pieces of bread and pretending it's the future of sandwiches that's not funny dude i'm sorry <laughs> well well i mean that kind of opens up a can of worms about who approves his jokes yeah i don't know everyone's responsible well, actually you know it's really funny because i'm looking at him now and he actually did direct, he did direct toy story of terror which i do like which we'll get to pretty soon actually i think toy story of terror is a pretty good toy story thing they can't all be bangers unless you're Andrew Stanton and then you take your stinkers to Disney. And you, and your stinker, your your Disney paycheck Finding Dory is one of the more, probably the most interesting of the sequels, I would say. Maybe that's a hot take. It's not that it's good, it's it's interesting. Oh, I don't know, it's I haven't a, seen Finding Dory. Oh, it's interesting. It's an interesting movie. It's not a great movie, in my opinion, but it is something where there's a lot to chew on. And it's something where I'm like, if they do another Finding Nemo, I really hope they get him back, because I do think Dory is underrated. I don't know. I Again, I, I hate to like really go hard on Small Fry, but I just... It doesn't work for me at all. It really... It just frustrates me. It's something where I watch and I get frustrated. Yeah. Some of the jokes at the end, the ending credits are presented in like the menu in a fast food restaurant, so it looks like what you see above the counter. And even some of those jokes, I got it all, and it was intriguing, and I think some of them are like... Some of them are, like, funny jokes, and then some of them seem a little bit underwritten. There are, like, more jokes in the credits than there are in the rest of the short. It all takes place in this place called the Poultry Palace, 
So all of the food items are puns about chicken and medieval times. So it's basically medieval times. Because all you can get at medieval times is chicken. <laughs> but it's not... Medieval times isn't a fast food place. But I'm just like... Can you only get chicken at medieval times? Pretty sure. Is that a real I've, statement? I've, I've never been to medieval times because... But one time I was at a job... I always wanted to go as a kid. My parents never took me. And then the one time my job took us... It was when... Actually, I meant to bring this up as a detour on our Michaela episode. But we were focused on Toy Story 3 really well there. But Michaela's who I went to Salt Lake City with before. I went with you, Mark. And we could have shared Salt Lake City stories. But it's okay. But the one time my job went to medieval times ever was when I went to Salt Lake City with Michaela. And I was just like, come on. Like, I missed the good trip. And I'll never go to medieval times unless I have a kid. And they want to go to medieval times, I guess. So you didn't go? I thought you just I've never been. Said, I don't know anything about medieval times, but I imagine they have more than chicken. This poultry palace in the short looked more like a McDonald's that was just called Pol- Oh, it's it's a joke about Burger King. What are we talking yeah, it, about? It, 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 no, I was, yeah, it is a joke about Burger King. But I was also going to say also, like... Medieval Times is not like this. Medieval Times is like a sit-down show type of thing. It's- yeah, well, we know we know what Medieval Times is. We've been like not painting a portrait of it. It's Burger King, but all the food is named after chicken. It's Long John Silver, but medieval. I guess so. And then you can order things like Knights of the Fried Table. I, I actually was really intrigued by some of the things they were selling. I was interested by the gauntlet. I was like, what? what is that? Like, yeah, the gauntlet is a metal glove that has fries in it. It's not that I'm like anti-silly puns, but it's one of those things where, again, it's like, what is the reality of this world that like there are toys living in the, the rafters since 1997 that are still going to support group every day. And this is their entire life is just support group for 13 years with nothing else to their lives. Meanwhile, Bonnie goes to this restaurant where they just give her like ridiculous food, which does not exist in any form of reality. Because I hate to be like, it's a, it's a cartoon, Danny. It doesn't have to be reality. Yes, but I think Toy Story exists like at a base level reality where the fan- fantastical stuff is, they could be your toys coming to life too, going on these adventures, right? I think too that in Toy Story 1 and 2, there's also a zaniness in the rest of the world. Like Bob, what's his name? Chicken Man. Oh, I was even thinking like specifically, yes, Chicken Man, Al. But I was also thinking like, you know, the the set piece with the... um, Pizza Planet? Traffic Cones. No, the Traffic Cones I was thinking too. Well, Traffic Cones, Pizza Planet. I'm just... So like all of the humans in the early Toy Story are just more ridiculous and cartoony. And now we have Bonnie and her parents who... I think are supposed to be normal people like they represent normal people who are well-rounded and not ridiculous so it's really weird having them in the world and then also having things like poultry palace which would be a great place to have in toy story one but just seems wrong in the new world of toy story that is a compelling argument even then though i think there is a difference between poultry palace i i I feel like i'm like really harping on the credits jokes but it's like the food we see at poultry palace seems very different from pizza planet to me because pizza planet is just like like, it's Chuck E. Cheese, but sci-fi themed, right? That's that's all it is. It's like, they just have probably mediocre pizza that they offer at, like, you know, as, like, a buffet. It's not like this where it's like, hey, kids, do you want, like, this $5 giant gauntlet of chicken? It's like, <laughs> I think they're different. I think you could put Andy with those gags of it. I'd still be like, that doesn't make much sense to me. 
Ah, uh, man, I miss pizza buffets. I wonder, I guess Golden Corral still exists. I went to a CC's before the pandemic, like, in between work shifts, and it was, like, one of my biggest regrets I ever did with my job. I was so sick during my shift. I was like, CC me later. Do you ever, did you remember that? When you went to CC's, they go like, CC you later, when you left. I don't think we had a CC's around us. Oh, we would all go to, we would always go to CC's for birthdays, because unlimited pizza is, like... A huge deal when you're under the age of 14. Yeah, I remember going to Pizza Hut after church some Sundays, and that was always a highlight, was their pizza buffet. And I remember, too, they had that dessert pizza. I'm just thinking this is funny because I'm amazed that anyone does buffets like post, not, well, whatever. It's hard to say post-pandemic. I have a story about buffets I do not want to say on the podcast that I'm sure Mark's aware of. I do not want to disparage a past guest's family, but... Whenever I think about buffets now, I think about uh, the beginning of the pandemic, and I'm not going to go any further into that. Oh, well, I don't remember what you're talking about, so it sounds like we had someone on whose family owns a buffet. No, no, no. Uh, We had someone on who I hung out with, like, the weekend before the pandemic, and his family was like, oh, Danny, we'll take you out to dinner before you leave. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And they took me to a buffet, like, two days before everything shut down. And, like, it was in the news. Like, you know, COVID was in the news. I was kind of like... Why are we here? Why, why, you know, like very terrified. I was like, what am I eating? <laughs> like, well, I, I don't remember that. Okay, good. I just think this is funny now because I was at a new market around where I live the other day and I saw that they had free samples out. Not only did they have free samples out, but they were unattended. <laughs> and it was just trays of salami and that cold tortellini or whatever with toothpicks in it. And I, it was just seemed like funny and. I have a weird question for you. That's about something that happened to work today with a coworker, so I can completely talk about it. And I feel like, oh, can I talk about work here? But it's just about a coworker. Is I went for um for lunch today at my break. I went with some coworkers and we got paninis, um, which is always nice. And then the panini place had like some brownies, and I was like, oh, I'll buy a brownie, but I couldn't finish it in time for work. And then I asked someone, I was like, hey, do you, like, who was going on to break? A friend of mine. I was like, hey, do you want this brownie? I bit into it. And she's like, why would I care that you bit into it? Is that, like, a normal, like, do people, uh, and for me, whenever someone, like, bites into it, I'm like, oh, do you have a knife so I can cut it out? Or do, like, I don't know. I'm not trying to be, like, a germaphobe or, like, judgmental my coworker. But, like, was my reaction, my reaction would be, like, you sure you want this because I bit into it weird? Or, like, I don't know. Does it, am I making sense to you? I'm not judging my coworker at all. I'm just saying, like, I was surprised that she was like, yeah, no, of course I'll take it. Like, why are you concerned? I felt like my concern was valid. Uh, no, I, I think your concern was valid. I mean, some people are like that, like they'll share drinks or something like that. I don't mind sharing drinks if you have a, a separate straw. But, like, if someone hands me a brownie that's half-eaten, I'm going to be like, uh, do you have a knife? Well, I don't know. We all know how drinking works. It, like, I wouldn't trust that either. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I'm just, I guess I'm saying I always find it weird when people just, like, offer it to you and they're like, here, take it. But, no, I mean, I, I also just, sometimes I take it from people. I don't think you were in the wrong. Okay, cool. Like, comment, and subscribe if you think Danny should have made a bigger I deal should, of I this. should just, like, I should just unpack everything on this podcast right now. Like, talk about <laughs> how someone said that I was too film bro to be with a Batgirl or something like that. Or I should leave what that is totally a, What is big. a bat girl? Should I get into it? I don't know if I should. I don't know. This. I feel to like that's like, a non sequitur. It's fun. Let, <laughs> but the, let the gravitational pull 
of the two shorts kind of like pull us back towards Pixar for a moment. I was actually thinking about this earlier, you know, when we started out, our plan was to talk about Pixar movies and then also talk about personal experiences when we were young and what they mean to us now when we're older and we're at these two and I'm like, I have never seen these before. I will never watch these again. Well, Mark, have you ever been to Hawaii? Have you ever had Happy Meal toys? Do you remember the time I ate a Buzz Happy Meal toy and I was like, ooh, that tastes good? Oh, wait, no, that was the Bug's Life. That was the Bug's Life. Toy. That's the other thing, too, is like, <laughs> I, well, I have the only story I have about Happy Meal toys is that I just missed the wave of the Bionicle toys being out. I got some kind of off brand toys, and there was one in particular where I remember. It was just plastic, but something about the plastic, either the way it tasted or smelled, because I was very young, was, like, repulsive to me. And I remember, like, being nauseated after being around this toy, and I remember I hid it in the bottom of my toy bin because I couldn't, like, be around it because it Mm. made me feel weird in my stomach. And I don't know what that was all about. I've never, like, thought to look into that because, I don't know, because I think it was mostly a mental thing. But that is my big Happy Meal story, is that I remember that I had this one, like, religious experience with a toy one time. My, my only story that couldn't relate to Small Fry is I did have a Buzz Happy Meal toy. Not one, not one I ate, but I remember... It was for the show. It was, like, from the show. And it was, like, you could push the helmet down, and it would switch Buzz's head around from, like, smiling to being, like, serious. Like, you know, not, like, serious, but, like, action-angry Buzz, you know? And I remember that I used it so much that it got stuck in between the heads, and I just could never get it out of, like, the heads being stuck halfway. (laughs) Do you remember those things that were, like, monsters, but they were Rubik's Cubes? No, I think I might have missed that. I think that might be something where you're younger than me by, like, a year, and, like, somehow I matured and completely missed this just by under the, like, wire. Well, we also didn't have a CC's, and I never went to Burger King until I was, like, in college... You know, we lead different lives, but I do remember another, just another fun memory is that there were these monster things that were like Rubik's Cubes, but they were just like six pieces that you could kind of manipulate and pose in different ways. I have this feeling like I grew out of Happy Meal toys quickly. You know, I feel like that too. I feel like there's been times where like, you know, you drive into the McDonald's drive through, you see what the Happy Meal toys are, and it's like, I remember when Luca... Had its toys, I was kind of like, I'm a little tempted, because it's not like Luca merch really exists, right? I actually, did I tell you, I think I mentioned that story on the podcast last year when I saw it, that I was bothered that I saw a kid had a Luca water toy at the pool that, like, just stayed human Luca. I was like, they should either just make, like, a water Luca toy that you can play with, or, like, they should have this, like, change colors in the water. Yeah, you did mention that. Yeah. Um, but we should give this stuff, right? I always give these things a food item, I feel like, because I'm always, like... Coming here from dinner, I'm thinking about food, or we just talked about McDonald's or something like that. There was this pre-made macaroni and cheese at that market that I went to the other day, and it was not very much mac and cheese. It looked very appetizing, and it was pretty on the top, but I feel like I would eat it and still be hungry, and then I would like read the ingredients and be kind of like, oh, what the hell? So I want to give these that pre-made mac and cheese. Alright, so I was tempted to give it a Culver's um, Kids Meal, which comes with the ice cream, but I had a better idea, which is we'll combine both the shorts to give it one thing, which is, you know, we love Barbie and Ken, we're all excited for the Barbie movie, 
After all, if you love Barbie, this movie's for you. If you hate Barbie, that movie, this movie's for you too. Uh, <laughs> and Small Fry was attached to the Muppets, which I was gonna maybe tangent on, but I haven't seen that movie in like 10 years. I remember really liking it, but I feel like it probably has aged poorly because of legacy sequels and how it actually like partakes in the tropes rather than really subverting them. But I do think we need a Muppet reboot. I do. I think we should get more Muppet Hard movies. disagree. Why? I actually had a pitch for reboot once where the whole idea of it would be like, how do you reboot something that already had a reboot? And like, that would be the entire premise of it is like the Muppets being like, oh, we already did this reboot. We can't like reboot a reboot. I just feel like people have tried to bring, like the Muppets were best as a variety show. And then, I mean, I really like a lot of their movies, but other people, other people are not such big fans of the great Muppet caper. I mean, I stick by that. I want Muppet Clue. That's what I've always been saying. Like we need Muppet. That's how you revive clues. You give you Muppet Clue. Yeah. Well, and what am I talking about? There are lots of great Muppet movies. I'm just saying that the Muppets were great as a variety show. They don't really exist anymore. And you don't need variety shows when everything can be a TikTok now. So I think the Muppets just need to be like part of the brand. Well, I think, but I think we can do a Muppet movie. I think we can do Muppet movies. Anyway, and Mark's going to be like, no, you can't. I'm like, well, too bad. This is what I'm giving it is that um, I'm going to give the the next Muppet movie project to, because um, I don't know if I think it will actually turn out pretty bad if I give it to these people, but I'm very fascinated, is uh, uh, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach can have it to work on the script for a bit if they don't, if, if they don't need to make it or not. But that's what I will give the Toy Story tunes that we covered today is the treatment that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach will give us for a Muppet reboot. Because after all, if you like the Muppets and you hate the Muppets, that movie will be for you. We need a Muppets Star Wars Visions. Yes! We need, But it's maybe not all Muppets. We just need like season three to be Muppets and then season four is what they're doing now where they broaden it and it's puppeteers from around the world. What I think is interesting is, um, you know that story about the Chip and Dale movie where it's like they were denied a couple things and the only thing they were really denied by Disney was that they couldn't use the Swedish chef and as one of their characters they had to create their own character. Because they're like, no, we are not showing the Swedish... Because that, that, that whole movie is like, these cartoon characters get out of character when they're not acting, right? Like the baby Herman thing. And it's like, no, like the Muppet Company is like, no, we're not letting you use the Swedish chef. And having him be out of character, that's not okay. Create your own character for it. I think that's really interesting. That, like, that was like the one subsidiary Disney was like, no, you can't have this. But like, also cool. Like, I don't think I really want to see like the Swedish chef. Because there's like a joke in that movie where like, he, um, Keegan-Michael Key plays like a Swedish chef-esque character. And he starts like, and he's like, you talking to me? Like immediately like that. I feel like with the actual Swedish chef, that would be like... It was like as a joke in and of itself, I'm like it's still not that funny, but like I can buy into it more than it being like an actual Swedish chef. Yeah, it's like evil Kermit. I should rewatch that movie because I remember I hated that one, and I feel like it's been now considered like the better one of those two reboots. But I remember I watched it like all in one go one time. It was really weird. I watched Don't Look Up all in one go as well. I watched White Men Can't Jump over like the course of two days because of the power went out, and that was like White Men Can't Jump is a great movie though. It was pretty good, yeah. Everyone should go watch the 90s White Men Can't Jump. That movie is one of those movies where, like, the two leads are, like, really great comedians, and yet Z Rosie Perez runs away with the entire thing. So it's like, ah, three great performances in this. Have you seen Bull Durham? No, I haven't. Actually, I saw it was playing at the Alamo this weekend, but fuck the Alamo, as I always say. I, I never go to the Alamo, but I have not. Is Rosie Perez in that? No. Oh, okay. It's Susan Sarandon. But anyway. Danny, can you tell the listeners what we're doing next time? 
because it's the one time that I know. It is going to be a very special episode of Looking for the Ocean of Pixar Journey. Will it be our longest episode of all time? I don't think that's something to shoot for. I don't think I don't know if it will be. I don't think it will be. It's actually the only Pixar movie that I've covered on another podcast before this, except for of course like the recent run of Lucas Soul and Turning Red. And it is we will be covering Pixar's only sequel to definitively surpass the original in quality. And that is Cars 2. Cars 2. Cars 2. I'm so excited to talk about Cars 2. It's going to rule. Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. The show is edited by Mark Young. Our original artwork was designed by Sarah Knopf. You can follow us on social media at... at, On Facebook, at Looking for the Ocean. Instagram, at Looking for the Ocean Pod. And Twitter, at Pixar Journey. And on our website, looking for the ocean, pixar.podbean.com. You can follow me on markyoungperformer.com and also on myounginsta on the gram. You can follow me, Danny, uh, at Blankmints on Letterboxd, where, as I said last time, my elemental review will be up. You can read my take there if you want. Actually, hopefully by this time, fingers crossed, my Asteroid City take, along with, for the first time ever, a complete ranking from Danny Vincent of Wes Anderson feature films, which I'm actually weirdly excited to put up because I just watched Darjeeling Limited for the first time and I'm seeing Royal Tenenbaums tomorrow, which are my two that were left, besides, of course, Asteroid City. I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, so if you like Wes Anderson, check it out and read my takes. You can also listen to my other podcast, The Snub Club, where we talk about movies of the most Oscar nominations and no wins. We're going to have a very exciting episode soon. I don't know if it's out yet, where we'll have a guest. Spoiler alert. Well, actually, you know what? I shouldn't say it because I think we want to be a surprise on the show, but I will say it is a previous guest on this podcast that will be coming on to talk about a certain film for the Snub Club. So Ooh, I'm excited for that. Cool. Yeah. All right. That'll be a great one. Bye, everybody. Bye.